you're listening to MOD Channel. Hi guys, welcome to my podcast. This is MOG Channel where we help you to see a real and practical Christians from God's Word. If you're new here, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Today we're going to be doing Romans chapter 3. And so we're just going to get right into it. If you want to see what we did in Romans 2, you can check the videos before. Or if you're listening to the podcast, you can just um, check the previous episodes. Alright? Now, oh by the way, why I'm saying that is because we're now on YouTube officially uh, that for those who are just listening to the podcast. And so let's crack on, all right? So verse 1 says, What advantage then has a Jew or what is the profit of circumcision? Of course, the backlog of Romans 1, Romans 2 is the righteousness of God. And we've explained the fact that God has left traces of himself in creation. Number 2, God has left a witness of right and wrong in our consciences. And number three, God has given the law which revealed his righteous standard to the Jews. So now we tackle the unbeliever, the person who is not a Jew, actually. And we looked at the conscience thing. Now we are looking at the Jew. We've already started tackling the Jew. And so verse 1 says, what advantage then has a Jew or what is the profit of circumcision? Because we were saying yesterday that circumcision is of the heart. The real idea of circumcision in God's eyes was actually about the spirit, God's spirit in us to mark us. The same way you would mark the foreskin of a child, right? When God spoke to Abraham and then even, you know, Moses, the children of Israel were supposed to be like these special people to God. And the sign of that was to mark their foreskin, that is to cut off their foreskin. And so God was saying that the real foreskin he wanted to cut off was the heart. The real circumcision was of the heart, meaning he wanted to separate a people to himself. All right. So verse one, what advantage then has the Jew or what is the profit of circumcision? In other words, if you, the Jew, and the Gentile are the same thing, all under sin, all under the same judgment of God, right? God's righteousness cuts both ways. What is the um, advantage of you, a Jew? What is the profit of circumcision? Why were you marked from birth as a Jew? And it says, much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. The oracle there would be the word of God. Really, if you look at it, they were separated people to God. The reason why God actually needed a separate race was because of the fact that he needed a race that the Messiah or a nation or a people that the Messiah would come through. And also the speakings of God through that time, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Old Testament, they preserved the oracles of God, the words of God, the prophecies of the Messiah. You understand the mind of God, they preserved it. The Old Testament is so foundational, that's another topic, but very foundational to not just Jewish thought, but also Christian doctrine. And so the Jews were that race that God gave the privilege to actually preserve these words. All right? So verse 3, and of course, or again looking at the righteous standard that was already revealed to the Jews by God, by the law. 
by giving them the law, that righteous standard, God was using that to reveal his standard to the world, but via the Jews. So verse 3 says, For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? I remember trying to study this and I was like, what does this mean? And But it's just simple. It says, what if some did not believe? So this special race of people that the laws of God, the word of God has been committed to revealing God's righteous standard. What if some of them did not believe? What if they turned away from what God had said? Right? What if they became unrighteous too? What if they decided to go their own way? It says, will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? That is, is it going to change anything? If, if through their behavior um, or misbehavior towards what God has said, does it make um, God's faithfulness without effect? Does it change God's righteousness? And it says, certainly not. That's verse 4. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. Let God be what? True and every man a liar. As it is written that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. He's quoting under text from the Old Testament. So, we're saying, let God be true, let every man be a liar. That is, it's not going to change anything. Verse 5, it says, But if our right unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? I speak as a man. So, basically, what, what the, or the concept he's making here is that some people will probably say that well, since my unrighteousness, since my deviation from God's plan, from God's word, me doing my own thing, right? Even if I become unrighteous, God is still righteous. So if that's the case, right? Why would God still judge me? After all, me being unrighteous proves that he's still righteous because regardless of how unrighteous and how much I misbehave, God will still be God. God will still do what he will do. He will still remain righteous. He won't change because of me. So why will he punish me since he will not change? It's just crazy reasoning. So very because that's why he said, I speak as a man. <laughs> you see that? If you look at your Bibles, you see it in you know brackets. I speak as a man. We said, certainly not. For then how will God judge the world? No, what if God lets you sleep for your unrighteousness because he is righteous? Right? It doesn't make sense. How is he going to judge the whole world? He needs to, <laughs> he needs to have um what they call it. He needs to be able to inflict wrath, right? So the concept here is this. It's like being a judge, right? A judge is supposed to disperse righteousness. That is righteous verdict. You are supposed to be just. You are supposed to bring justice, okay? You won't say, um, I'm going to let, like, if you if you are sympathetic, you can be so, like, sympathetic, like, you can really care about people, and you don't want to sentence this person in front of you because he's your son or because you know him or because you just really pity the person. But if you don't have the, um, what they call it, number one, the power, number two, the, I'm trying to find the words, number two, the decision or the gusto to inflict wrath, that is to inflict punishment on this person. You can't be just. You cannot be just because... As we're going to see as we read, the wages of sin is death. In other words, there, there must be a punishment. For God to be just, there must be punishment of evil. There is a standard that has been revealed by God. And so those who violate it must pay the price. You must pay the fine. So verse 7 says, For if the truth of God has increased through my light to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? Same logic, same reasoning. Verse 8, And why not say, let us do evil that good may come 
as we are slanderously reported and as some affirm that we see, their condemnation is just. So Paul's reason or logic is here. He's saying, okay, if God should let you go because he's righteous, right? Because by your sinful behavior, right? Or the more sinful you are, the more righteous he looks. The more or the darker you are, the brighter he looks. If that's the case, and then he just let you go down since you are to his glory, helping him to look better, to look more righteous. And he said, no, let us, he says, let's do evil. If that's the case, then let everybody just be doing evil now, right? That good may come. He says their condemnation is just. This is just some very interesting kind of reasoning. Okay? Verse 9, he says, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Now, if you have been following the uh, series, you see I was emphatically talking about the fact that with all the righteous standards being revealed in one, in two, and all those things, you see, I told you that he didn't give them the law, that's the Jews the law, to, to be able to keep because they could not keep it in their current state. He also did not put the conscience in man because he believed that man would be able to keep everything. That is, because from Genesis, Adam has already deviated from God. He has already gone his own way. The signature has already come, right? Um, Romans 5, 12 tells us, Through one man, sin entered the world and death by sin, and death passed on all men for all have sinned. So, man is already spiritually dead. A dead man cannot, that is, he is dead. He cannot respond to God. He cannot keep God's requirement. It is impossible. Very impossible. So, he says that they have been, what, charged both on that sin. And he does this how? By revealing his righteous standard. By putting the conscience in man. It man's, you know, one of them is, the conscience. The conscience judges man already. Remember, we said that the Gentile, if he does the things that are the if if the things that are in the law, he seems to do them naturally, even if he doesn't have the laws of Moses. He says he's a law to himself. In other words, that law that was on tablets of stone, it was also embedded in the heart of man. You see, Moses was not the first time that God revealed his standard to men. Men were already um, how I put is very aware and conscious of their sin and what is right and wrong from the beginning. I mean, even if you look at Cain and Abel, Cain obviously knew he had done something wrong. Are you seeing that? Yes. Adam and Eve also knew they had done something wrong. Once they sinned against God, once they um, went their own way, what, what does the Bible say about them? The Bible says they went and hid. God was coming, they went and hid. You don't hide if you didn't do anything wrong. Guilt and shame and everything that follows a criminal, right, or a wrongdoer followed them, meaning that these guys at this point knew that they had what sin. So it's not Moses that came and helped us to see that we are sinners. No, man had already been declared guilty on the inside. Are you seeing that? And so we're also going to see why the law was still necessary, right? Um, so it says, they are under sin, verse 10, as it's written, there's none righteous. No, not one. Are you seeing that? So, God has concluded, there is none righteous. Because to be righteous, truly, you must keep everything. You must keep all God's standards. It's just like the laws of Lagos where I am, right? You can't say you're a good citizen by keeping just two laws. You are a good citizen by keeping all laws. In fact, you can keep all the laws, pay all your taxes, but then as you are just driving, you just see the red light and you still say, I'm late, I'm late, and you break that, <laughs> you know, law. They won't care how many other laws you've kept. This one that you've broken, this violation makes you unrighteous 
before the nation. At that point, if they catch you, you will pay the fine. Are you seeing that? So it's the same thing with God. You can't say because of all the other things, good things you've been doing, right, that you are okay. No, you must do it properly. Okay, so there, there is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have all become together unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throats are an open tomb with their tongues. They have practiced deceit. The poison of asps under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, as feet are sweet to shed blood, and all that. So, um, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So, <laughs> I think we're going to stop here. We're out of time already. Okay, um, we're going to continue from verse 19 tomorrow. All right, but the summary of this one is that everyone has been charged with sin. Everyone is a sinner. Everybody is under sin. Nobody escapes God's wrath or punishment. I hope you know God's wrath doesn't just mean he's angry everywhere. No, it just means that he's just. That wrath just means God has to dispense justice. Okay? All right, guys, that's it for today. Why don't you share this with someone? I believe you've learned something, okay? And you just have a wonderful day. God bless you and bye-bye. If this blessed you or you want to say hi, or you have a question, you can head over to my Instagram at pst.essien, pst.essien. Also, if you've been blessed and you'd love to support what we do here at MOG Podcast, then you can give to 0106-207-685. I'll say that again, 0106-207-685 GT Bank. God bless you.